MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Amy Ryan, and I played Holly Flax on The Office. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another installment of The Office Deep Dive. I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. I hope you're doing very well today. And if you're not, well, I think I'm about to change that because my guest on the podcast today is the truly extraordinary Amy Ryan. Now, I I, I have to come clean about something here. Okay, when Amy Ryan showed up on the set of The Office for the first time, I I freaked out a little bit because I am a huge Amy Ryan fan. If you have not seen her work prior to The Office, you should. Season two of The Wire, genius. Her Oscar-nominated performance in Gone Baby Gone is so heartbreaking and oh, amazing. Now, I interviewed Amy in New York uh, right after my interview with Paul Feig. And partly because we live on opposite coasts, I had not seen Amy in such a long time. Many years, in fact. And immediately, boom, I'm just so happy to see her again. I have this special place in my heart for Amy. And, And what's amazing to me is that so many people have a special place in their heart for Amy, even though she only appeared in 15 of our 200 plus episodes. 
I mean, I could imagine a world where people were not so fond of Amy and the character she played because basically she's the reason that Michael Scott left the office, right? But Amy was so undeniably perfect and wonderful as Holly that you just couldn't help falling in love with her. Plus, she and I, for better or worse, we are linked together forever because of the very special Kevin Holly storyline, which, well, you'll hear us get into shortly. Anyway, am I am I gushing? I'm gushing. I can't help it. Ladies and gentlemen, here she is, Amy Ryan. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning left over from the night before. So I was here, and we were. You thank you. Do you need anything else, either of you? Uh, I'm okay, thank you. Uh, masseuse? No. Well, like I a... mean, what's on the list? <laughs> beverages. <laughs> There's nothing but beverages on this table. So. I know. I don't know. <laughs> Hydrate. I'm caffeinating. I was here very briefly. You saw John. Then? I saw John. Um, they. Uh, let me get rid of these Paul things. Oh, old news. I just get rid of it. And then, yeah, Paul was, I think he's doing a pilot and then a movie back to back. So he was like, <laughs> you can come to New York or I'll see you in May or something like that. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll come back. That's great. So this worked out then. Yes. How are you? Good. Really good. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So before you were cast, did you watch the show? Mm-hmm. You so did. my my history of the office started with my neighbor, Nolene Burke, who came home from Ireland visiting her family with the British series. She said, This is a really funny show, you have to watch it. And she had, you know, like the DVD pal or whatever. Right. So I was full on in convert from the Ricky Gervais series. Then I heard they were making an American version, and I thought that was just blasphemous. I was like, why? Why can't they just import the show? Why do we import our shows or export our shows there, but we Americans need to remake something that's perfect? Right. And I thought it was the worst idea ever. And then I started seeing the cast assembled. I was like, oh, this is going to be funny. (laughs) (laughs) And it was. Uh, And I watched the American version happily. um, And then thought, like, I I enjoy comedy. I never, I'm not good at the four-camera sitcom thing. I can't land the, the whatever. Right. But when I saw The Office, I was like, oh. This is character-based comedy. This is not rhythm. I mean, there are some rhythms in it, of course, but, like, it's not so dependent on that joke and then the alternative punchline for that joke that all the writers stand around writing and right, hope you right. get it. That is, like, too stressful for me. So, anyway, The Office, I felt like, okay, here's a world I could fit into in terms of building a character and, their, you know, everything is life or death for them. So what was the process of you being cast on the show? Did they they approached you so to come in? That was the year uh, I was nominated for 
uh, an Oscar for Gone Baby Gone. And I remember saying to my agent, half joking, but not really. I was like, you know, if we have any poll right now, I want to cash it in on The Office. That's am- I had not heard that. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And apparently, simultaneously, Paul Lieberstein, who I had known from a sitcom many, many years earlier called The Naked Truth that he was writing on, knew of me, but also was a fan of The Wire. And so I think, I'm not sure who called first, but I think both were, like, there was a coincidence of timing in, right. that, in that case. So so I showed up. <laughs> I've heard the story, by the way. And I Rain going like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, why are you here? <laughs> anyway, I, I felt very, very confident in my decision that this is where I wanted to be next. Because a lot of all, you know, a lot of the opportunities as well, like there's not much imagination once you maybe poke through with a role, you know, as you may know from your own experience, like people are like, great, we have this new role for you. And it's, she's a drug addicted mother. You're like, yeah, you mean like the one I just played? <laughs> okay. Yes, that yes. doesn't sound like yeah. so much fun. Yeah. For a while, so, playing someone intelligent was not coming to me, oh, surprisingly. Isn't that frustrating? <laughs> it's so, 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 yeah. but making those hard right turns and giving other people whiplash is what I was after. Like, uh, so certainly like going to a comedy and um, just being well-groomed in a role, you know. So I was, I was really grateful for that, that they thought it was a good idea, too. So when you were cast, did you at that moment have any idea of where it was going to go? No, but I, I understood that I was there on a trial basis. I think it was the last episode, like, like Goodbye Toby, I came in, and I think it was a pretty fancy audition, basically, like right. having not read for the role. Like, okay, if this doesn't work out. Because they said, like, you know, maybe might might be Love Interest from Michael Scott. We're not sure, but, you know, we still have some ideas. But yet again, there was the British version to kind of go by, and there was that character, I forget her name, but where he finally found someone that, the affection was mutual. Right. But then I believe that about that part is, I think, where it stopped, like yes. the comparison. So I knew it was a little up in the air and it depended on how well I did. I mean, I felt very welcome by all you guys. But there is a weird thing about being a fan of a show and then being employed by that show. I remember doing it like one episode of ER back in the day, like right. shocked that the hallway was so little, that they did all that choreography of like running through with gurneys and such. And, you know, The Wire was the same thing, like being a big fan of the show and then joining the company in the second season. It was, it's, it takes a minute to just like calm down. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, just no. Like, well, being a guest star is a you know a very difficult thing. You're the transfer student from another school. Totally. Yeah, like, well, who's going to sit with me at lunch? Like, <laughs> 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 were you were you were you nervous when you walked onto set the first time? I was nervous. I can tell because my head is tilted down like this. Yeah. And because I'm because my daughter just watched that episode and so having the hindsight, like I was like, oh yeah, look, you're not like standing up <laughs> straight. Really? Yeah. Just that little tilt to the head. <laughs> like maybe no one will notice if I mess up. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And then I was, and then, you know, a lot of that quickly subsided because the nature of 
Being on The Office is you are a main character and an extra all in one. Right. You are in the background every scene if you don't have spoken lines. And I remember being um, positioned by one of the low file cabinets and pretending to go through papers and kind of shocked because all that those papers were like old medical records. Yes. And I thought, oh my God, this is somebody's social security number. This is somebody's medical history. This is, I was just shocked. Anyway. Yeah, they recycle. recycle. That's, that was our, Kate Flannery and I talked about yeah, that, which I had forgotten. Yeah. Get a shredder, people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Shred sure. your stuff. Don't, you might end yeah, up a prop on the office. On the office, exactly. <laughs> Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your chemistry with Steve from the beginning is amazing. Did you guys have a discussion? I mean, you were a fan of the show, so you knew his character very well. But Mm. how much of it was a discussion about you know, potentially Holly being the female version of him, or is that how it was described, or? No. Um, that was you, you? It wasn't described that way, but, you know, it, just in the writing, I mean, it, it was so generous of the writers to offer me those tidbits, whether it was, like, rapping with him or, you know, the Yoda yes. thing. Like, clearly they're saying... She is of like, <laughs> this yes, is kinfolk. Yes. And then just as an actor, I was like, well, I can't do, you know, Steve's bit. Like, I can't. And, and even if I tried, I couldn't. But, like, how do you make it the same but different, you know? Um, and I, I, just, I just love that idea that there's a lid for every pot. You know, I will say this. So I don't know if I really want to admit this, but after however many years playing different parts and theater and other TV and film— I get a call from my high school boyfriend. <laughs> He's like, yeah. well, I'm so glad you're finally playing yourself. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. Oh. And I, I can't really deny that. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. My, my, like, nerdy, geeky side was <laughs> on the rise there. So, yeah. So drug-addled. Single mother. Oh no, that, that's part of that's that's the other side of my personality. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I like to keep right. it balanced. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, I mean to. <laughs> don't pigeonhole yeah, me. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you had worked with Steve before, very briefly. Yeah, or um, so Steve starred in a film called Dan in Real Life, and yeah. Peter Hedges wrote and directed. Peter's an old friend of mine, and I have a really teeny tiny part in there playing his sister-in-law. It's a big extended family, mm-hmm. and Peter got together a bunch of his. New York actor friends. And we all were up in Rhode Island for, I don't know, six, eight weeks or so. Anyway, the whole company was very close, and that's where that's where I met Steve. Um, you know, just chit-chatting. We really didn't have any scenes together, you right. know, stuff like that. But I, I don't I don't know. I get asked that a lot about what's the chemistry with Steve. And I I have to say, I have to give him credit for being the most grounded down to earth creative genius that um you can dream of because he's got a really good thing going on and he he isn't 
Subliminally, subliminally, I can't, I want to change that word because who can say subliminally? <laughs> subliminally. <laughs> he is, he is in no way saying, back up, let me do my thing. I've experienced that on sets with other actors, like they're not even really looking at you or, you know, they can do it all. You, they don't even need you off camera for their close up. But Steve, I, and I guess that's his uh, early days, you know, improv, being with a group. He's so generous. And, I always thought it was weird. He'd be like, the first one would be like, that's so funny. He'd tell everyone like how funny they were, right. you know, and you just like, he's just, your shoulders drop a little bit. You're like a little more relaxed each time. Right. But I don't know. I, I did say to him one time, I said, I know this sounds really flaky, but um, I really feel like I've known you before in my life. And he said, I feel the same. So I think it was just about trust and, um, and just having fun. Like, So you were there and then... You left. And it's interesting because, you know, you talk about Jim and Pam, their relationship played just very purely. And then Mm -hmm. all of Michael's relationships played essentially totally for comedy, at least until Holly, you know, like the Mm -hmm. Carol, the real estate agent and Jan (laughs) that was like so preposterous and terrible. But I think for me, even though you guys were so close and that chemistry was there in my head you left and it went away like it went away and for some reason the the herpes episode where he calls (laughs) you i suddenly went oh this is it like Mm -hmm. this is this is where they're going where were you in terms of the discussion about you coming back again or did you say no way no we left it open and i'd love to come but for me, it was also about location. I live in New York and love being in New York. So I didn't want to relocate to Los Angeles, but I was happy to come and go. And then also in that time, then uh, I was pregnant and had my daughter, Georgia. So so there was a big chunk off while that was happening. Yeah. Where do you feel like Michael's search for the American dream, mm-hmm. you know, happiness, success, family, you know, that that that's all he's looking for, and nobody will give it to him, (laughs) except Dwight that he doesn't want. Right, I know, Dwight (laughs) won't do anything for him. But that it it becomes the people that are in this office Mm -hmm. until until you come along. How do you feel like that transition for him, his character happened, or how did you see it? Well, I, I don't know if I can speak so clearly about Michael in that way, but um, I, I just feel like maybe, you know, Michael just became <laughs> just a happier person. and Right. You know, he's still crazy. That's what I still like. Like, he still makes really bad choices along the way and things that make other people cringe. Like, it's not like suddenly Holly comes and spreads this magic pixie dust on him and he's like a normal person. <laughs> right. But she's got a little of that, too, so it's it's permissible in their world. Um, I don't know. I think... You know, when I'm stopped or asked questions, you know, if it's someone on the street or <laughs> I just I'm always amazed at how much like they root for a guy they don't like. <laughs> right. And they're so glad he met me, you know, that or, you know, I'm at home. Right. And I love that that's all in conflict with each other. Um, so what is what does Holly mean for Michael? I mean, it's a guy who's just so so desperate to have a win somewhere in his life or to be that guy, <laughs> you know, he, he 
poses at that for so long, and then here's someone he doesn't have to work that hard with for the, I think, the first time we see him, or that we've known him, rather. And I, I don't know, maybe that it's, it's all going to be okay. Like, if there's one phrase to it, like, you know, we all matter. At the end of the day, we all matter. There's, there is someone for you. And if you don't feel right. good along the way, then you, you're just with the wrong person. And maybe that sounds easier said than done. There's someone single alone being, yeah, you know, thanks. Thanks for that advice, Amy Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> you suck. No. Uh, like, I think, I think there's, um, I guess, progress is the word. He's gotten out of his own way. Yeah, but I, I think that in the show, on the show, all of the characters, you bring up a really interesting point that people haven't talked to so much, but so much is about just wanting to win one. Mm-hmm. Like just having that one success, yeah, be it in work or in life or in love or whatever. And Holly really is that for him. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't have to work that hard for it. I mean, she was in as fast as he was, pretty much. So, you know, that's that's also fun to see him get knocked back a bit. Right. You know? Right. He can more be himself. He, he doesn't and not need to pose. stalk a woman to date her. <laughs> right. Like, right. He doesn't have to pose. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course we all feared as viewers if you say, like, what does this mean for the show? Right. Is is he leaving the show? Is it what 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 no, no, what's it what back up, back up, back up? Right. And, you know. That proposal, when I had to walk down the line of everybody holding candles, I couldn't stop crying. I thought it was one of those things where it's like, I had to tell myself, like, this isn't real. (laughs) But there's something about everybody's face, like, looking so lovingly. And the can like, it was such a beautiful setting. But I had to to tell myself, like, these are actors. (laughs) You're not getting married. You're not getting married. <laughs> You're not married. But it's Steve. like any wedding, like, oh, it makes me cry. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've often God. I've often said there was something about that that scene, that water come, you mm. know, the sprinklers coming down that um I don't know was so sort of beautiful yeah. and moving to me. I, I Steve directed that episode and I remember, you know, the water being such a big effect and that first take which is what's in the show because it was shocking and it was cold and it was goofy and it wasn't cinematic and i i, I don't know who but you know on the other side of the monitors like we have to go again and steve got up and he he remember he fought for it he's like no this is better it's not it's not slick it's not cool it's they look terrible <laughs> but it's funny like you know and i, I was so glad two reasons because I agreed with him, and the other's like, I really didn't want to get wet again because <laughs> that water was so cold. <laughs> I was such a shock <laughs> when, it, when it opened up. Yeah. Well, and I, I just remember that, um, that the, it's how life is, right? Like everything is not, it's not the perfect moment that no. you, that you assume that it, it's going to be. And even though it is this beautiful moment with the candles, like there's something that's going to screw it up. Of course. Yeah. But that's the life I prefer to live in. Like I, weird is good to me. Odd is really good to me. You know, I, that's what makes me laugh through life. That's just things slightly off kilter. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I think the moment that always, like anytime I see it and I felt it as a human being in the moment that it happened when he says, I'm going to Colorado, 
And Kevin says, all of us? Yeah. Right? Because <laughs> yeah. with Michael, we all must go, right? That's because right. that's yeah. how, to us, Michael is the office. That, that's the, right. The, yeah. yeah. But because of you, there, there's that transition there. You know, I think when you find true love, then nothing else matters. So, like, his old, you know, ways aren't necessary. But, you know, eventually he finds his true family. Which is you. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, you. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Mr. Worldwide himself, Pitbull. A lot of artists in general, people that are very creative, sometimes tend to overthink. That's one of my number one rules. Don't ever overthink. You can think ahead, but don't overthink. And what I mean by that is when they start to write a record, they're like, oh, that's not the line. Oh, that's not this. Oh, it's not that. And everybody has a creative process. I'm not knocking it. For me, I just let it flow. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. 
you write the books, Jean, and Lastor on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, here's a question that I've been asking everybody. Um, not everyone. I didn't think about it until halfway through, but, <laughs> um, when Michael Scott left to go be with you, there was obviously a hole on the show. And the question is, what do you feel like was the bigger loss? Steve Carell oh my God. or Michael Scott? Well, what do you mean by your question? If there, you mean if Michael... Well, that Steve was, you know, as you mentioned before, he is just such a good and loving person Mm -hmm. and really was the head of the ship. Oh, yeah. Right? In terms of the whole cast. Like when he left, I don't don't know if you know this, we retired his jersey. Like literally the number one on the call sheet did not exist after he he left. He certainly set the right energy of, being the lead of the show, I feel like he brought out the best in everybody because he's so kind and he's so generous. And I feel like, um, <laughs> like I'll, I'll use myself an example. <laughs> One morning, because we had those early morning makeup sessions, like 4.45 report in the yes. morning. And uh, Steve said, um, he's like, how are you? I said, oh, I'm tired. You know, I got up like 15 minutes before the alarm and I drove over the hill and uh, I think Starbucks wasn't open. He goes, oh, poor you, like being paid a lot of money to come be on a hit show. And I was like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you guys don't complain out in L.A. In New York, this is our good morning. <laughs> Check. <laughs> but it was, you know, he was being playful, obviously, but it was like a reminder of like, this too will pass. And, you know, remember that because you might not have it so good one day. <laughs> right. Well, you you came in ultimately to be a love interest for Michael. But I have to tell you, the storyline between you and I <laughs> on the show um, gets talked about a lot. And yeah. I think in the history of table reads that we had on the show— it was n- never more laughs because of the, how long that joke I know. <laughs> had been used to set up. And, you know, when I get asked now about moments in the entire show mm-hmm. where I could not stop laughing <laughs> was you and the button. It's literally, if you <laughs> watch change, it, with the change, this is a nickel, this, <laughs> is a, this is a button. And there was something about the sweetness on your face and you – just very genuinely explaining to Kevin that this was a button made me smile every <laughs> single time. And I was like, I can't do it. And, and, and they're right there with the camera. I'm like, I can't do it. And basically then just turned it into a grin 
it, to say, it I'm, I'm so going well. to bang you. But that, yeah. Do you think that story could play now? I mean, there's so much of The Office that I don't know if it could play now. Um, it's interesting. So I just happened to watch that episode because my 10-year-old daughter and all her friends at school are really into The Office. And my daughter is a little behind the rest of her friends because I think it's weird for her. So, yes. But but anyway, so we're watching that episode. <laughs> and my husband, Eric, and I, like, we're just out of her eye line, but here comes your line, like, I'm totally going to bang her. <laughs> and, our, we, you know, I'm like, we look at each other, like, see, then look over at her face. Does she register that? And, you know, no, because somehow it's going right over their head, I think. Or she maybe she doesn't, you know. Right. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think, I hope a lot of it still plays, because I think it's well-intentioned. I don't think yes. we were cruel. No sadistic people on this show. I mean, but the stuff that doesn't play, it's interesting to think about, as we all think we're, like, well-intentioned, liberal-minded, caring people, and the stuff that we didn't pay attention to. And so, you know, you're asking me, is it okay to make fun of a person who we think is mentally handicapped? Probably not. Right. But it was really funny then. So what do we do with it? Like, you know, right. I don't know where that lives. Um, right. I certainly don't want to offend anybody. I mean, I think the joke is upon the person who made the mistake. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's yes. how could Holly be that thick-headed? <laughs> or, or that, well, you know. Well, that it's Dwight, really. I mean, yeah. that it's really that it's Dwight who well, is. Dwight's the naughty who is, one. is the naughty but one. But I'm a. I'm in the middle there of not using my own good judgment or maybe asking for a second opinion or, you know, I mean, we all, we're all judgmental. We say we don't, but we judge everybody that walks down the block, you know. Right. In our heads, in the little private tapes in our heads. <laughs> yes. Um, why do you think, I mean, part of why we're doing this exploration is we haven't filmed anything in six years. Mm-hmm. And... Essentially, by almost any measure, now The Office is the most watched show on television. Why? Well, I think I think these are relatable characters, and first of all, it's funny. So that's what's holding up through time. The writing is funny, and it's a really great uh, ensemble of actors. And uh, what you know, you look back at what what old show like I Love Lucy still hands uh, holds up. You know, um, it's funny, <laughs> right? Right. And it's not about like um, pop culture, you know, which obviously fades away. We don't understand the references over time. We forget them and such. I think also the culture of binge watching. It's you know, it's written well for that. It's written well for that. You know. Um, you know, I have friends who tell me their kids watch it as really, like, also a soothing effect. If they're having a bad day, they go and they pop in the office. And it lifts them. Right. Why do you think that is? It's about paper salesmen, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe there's that, you know, joy we get in knowing, like, well, at least my life isn't that bad. <laughs> 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 at, least, at least I'm not. It's interesting, though. The fact that we're employees at a paper company that actually make a living doing one job with a specific Mm -hmm. small, because now if you're selling paper, 
you're working at Staples mm-hmm. or you're just yeah. getting it from Amazon or whatever. Like that 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 sort of like office community, that that group, whether you like the people or don't like the people, it's still a community. Well, maybe that's it's also community is the key word. Maybe not so much like I could be in a job for the next 30 years and get my pension. I don't know if people are really dreaming about that. But I think you're right. A community, and this is such a world where everyone is expressing their emotion, uh, emotions, emotions, emotions with emojis and, um, you know, connecting with people, even misconnecting, you know, yes. like uh, the conflict is probably interesting and fun and enviable. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you talked about Paul being a fan of yours on the wire. I mean, it cannot come as a surprise that everyone who was on set was such a huge fan of yours and the wire. And the fact that it seems like the whole ensemble from the wire ended up coming on at one one point or other. It was like, how can we think of a way to go? Do we, do we, do we, do we need to go to the docks? Is there a docks near Scranton? Is there there any way we can get, yeah. Chris Bauer. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, uh, yeah, thanks for coming and talking yeah, to me. it's my pleasure. It's so good to see you again. I, it's so good to see you. Yeah, I will tell you. You know, I go to college campuses and I'll talk. And, oh, wow. And I know that all people want is they want, they want to hear, they want to hear Kevin. Kevin. Yes. And just so you know, it almost always comes out as I'm totally going to bang Holly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's it that's it that's 206 episodes 206 episodes oh, no God. but i'm saying that's the line Here, maybe maybe I, you'll update it for this generation mm. and you'll say with her permission <laughs> okay. with her permission Let's and just, love yes <laughs> but it's funny that's that funny. that is uh that's always the line oh thank you so much yeah. Well, there you have it. Thank you, Amy, so much for coming in to sit down with me. Luckily, I am pretty sure I do not need Amy's permission to say that was one of the most delightful half hours of my life. That's what she said. Uh, Anyway, I hope you all feel the same way. Thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful week, and I will see you next time for another episode of The Office Deep Dive. The Office Deep Dive is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Tessa Kramer. Our producer is Adam Macias. Our associate producer is Emily Carr. And our assistant editor is Diego Tapia. My main man in the booth is Alec Moore. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend, Creed Bratton. And the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.